Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide with us this day. As we remember that the Lord is coming, looking at these verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I remember a song from, I don't know, many years ago now, probably 25 or so. People get ready, the Lord is coming. I forget even who sang it. Um, It was a fantastic song about the return of Jesus. I've seen a t-shirt at some point, don't remember when it was. Jesus is coming, look busy. (laughs) I thought, oh, that's, that's how a lot of times we react or think about the coming of the Lord. Well, we better look busy. We better look like we know what we're doing, like we have it all together, like we're involved. The end of the year, this, the focus of our readings as we enter the end of the church year, um, which takes place between now and late November, early December, depending on what year it is, because um, that's the beginning of Advent. Advent is the beginning of the church calendar, um, and so Advent starts roughly about a month before Christmas. So we're in this, you know, the last few, like four weeks of the church calendar year, and the system of readings that we use as we reach the end of the year, talk about the end of time. The end of life as we know it, anticipating the return of Jesus. This year, well, this year's been a bit crazy, right? With a pandemic that has encircled the globe, with national crises happening in our own country, with other crises happening in other parts of the world, with cultural struggles, have you wondered, have you thought, have you even had a conversation about, is this the end? I've seen that question asked early on. Maybe it was still probably April, maybe May. I saw someone post on social media, what chapter of Revelation are we in today? My response, my comment to it was, I hope it's chapter 22. That's the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Are we in the end time? Yes. And we have been for a long time. Is Jesus about to come back? Maybe. As I said that, I heard a sound. It was like a motorcycle or something outside. I thought, wow, that's a trumpet. He's right on time. (laughs) That would have been fantastic. But what does it mean? What does it look like when Jesus returns? It's important that we be informed. Be informed. We live in the information age. We know so much about so much. And it's amazing, actually. And at our fingertips... Often, like this, tap, 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 you can find out just about anything. What year was that movie released? You can even ask, what year was Back to the Future released? Oh, which one, it asked me. The original was 1985. I'm done. Put that guy away. We have so much information at our fingertips all the time. There's search engines we can go to, to to search the Internet to find details, trivial facts, 
updates, news stories. We know so much and so quickly. Just a few weeks ago when I felt the, the building shake, I wondered, was, was that an earthquake? Or did somebody slam a, a large door? It was like a garbage can, uh, truck uh, right outside the door like doing something. Or a dump truck, you know, you know bam. Because it was one of those, you know, sudden but super brief. And within a couple of minutes, usgs.gov, pull up the map, see the little things, and within a few minutes, I didn't just know that, yes, there was an earthquake. I knew the number, right? It was a 3.8 or whatever it was. And I knew where the epicenter was, just like six miles that way. Like, I knew already all of this data, all of this information. You can find highlights to the game posted online while the game is still going on. We can find news stories about things that happen on the other side of the planet that maybe not that long ago would have taken days or weeks to reach us and now within moments, within minutes. The news is published and people are talking about it and tweeting about it and you can find out about it through social media, how your friends are responding to it, etc., etc. Because we don't just know the news, we know how people feel about the news. We know what's going on. And of course, ever since Tuesday, a lot of eyes have been focused on the election and the results. And we know a lot about that. And not just election and results, but also reactions and responses. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church in Thessalonica. Chapter 4, verse 13, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers. In other words, because it's that double negative construction, we want you to be informed. Be informed about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. How can we be informed? Because we already know the future. We know what the future holds. I asked about Back to the Future because I was going to talk about Back to the Future, 1985 movie. Thanks to the pandemic, we've seen some movies on Netflix that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise watched. We've had some time. We've been in the house. We watched Back to the Future with the kids, which was a fun movie um, from 1985 with Michael J. Fox and um, who played Doc Brown? That one guy, you know. Um, Jim. <laughs> from Taxi, right? Yeah. yeah, Jim from Taxi played Doc Brown. Lloyd something. Christopher Lloyd. Thank you so much. See, this is good that we have people here. Otherwise, I'd be like, ah, I'd have to ask. I'd have to pull it out. And Who played that character? And I could find out. In the movie, though, um, so just in case anyone hasn't seen it, which there probably are some, um, in the, in the DeLorean, which has been converted into a time machine, Michael J. Fox's character, Marty, goes back in time, 30 years to 1955, and he reunites with Doc Brown, who is the one who had made the DeLorean into the time machine. And he knows things now, right? Because he's come from 1985. He knows what 1985 is like. He knows things that are going to happen. Well right before Marty hopped in the DeLorean and achieved 88 miles an hour and went through time, Doc Brown 
had been gone down. And so Marty was like, wait, we can prevent that. So one of the storylines is how he continues to try to tell Doc Brown, on that night, you have to prepare, you have to be careful. But Doc Brown won't listen because it's dangerous to know things about the future. He writes a note and he gives it to Dr. Brown who tears it up. So when Marty returns, he sees Doc Brown gunned down again. And he's broken up by it. Because that information about the future was important. We have information about our future and about people who have gone before us. Last week, November 1st, was All Saints Day in the church year. The 1st of November is the day we remember those who have gone before us. And today's reading reminds us that we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. That's what it says at the end of verse 13. We grieve our loss. And that's part of how we respond and how we react to the loss of a loved one. We grieve. It's painful. It's difficult. But the point that Paul is making here is we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope because... We have hope. We know things. We know about the future. Paul even describes them as people who, have, who are asleep. About those who are asleep, those who've died in Christ. There's, this word asleep is often applied to death in the Bible. Jesus is going to go to Lazarus' tomb. He's going to go to where Lazarus is, and and initially he says, well, Lazarus has fallen asleep, and his disciples who are following him are like, so? Right? If he sleeps, he'll wake up. And Jesus says, no, he died, to make it perfectly plain and clear. Jesus also goes to the home of a ruler whose daughter has died, and there are people there who are mourning, and he walks in, and he's like, The girl's not dead, she's just asleep. And people laugh at Jesus when he says that. When we sleep, when we close our eyes and rest our bodies, it's in a way similar to what death is like for those who are in Jesus. That's what the point is, right? Because we will wake up. We will open our eyes again. There will be a mourning following our mourning. Because death is not final. The Lord is coming. This is what Paul goes on to talk about. The Lord is coming again. The dead in Christ will rise. This is what he says at verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. We seem to have a cultural almost obsession with, with zombies, with the walking dead, right? There's shows, there's movies, there's all kinds of, of stories. Even, even Plants vs. Zombies is a game you can play, which is fairly ridiculous, but... It is something to do, I guess. (laughs) Right? And the zombies are always like, you know, walking weird. Like, 
Like when you, when you rise from the dead as a zombie, you have no more muscle control like that's normal, right, somehow. You know, like the, the structure of your bones is different or something. I don't know, but you're always like walking around differently and, you know, the posture is different and, and all of those things, right? That is not what it's going to look like. <laughs> We're not going to be walking around strangely, I don't think, <laughs> Because that doesn't look hopeful. That doesn't look comfortable. That doesn't look good. It's not the night of the living dead. It's the morning of the formerly dead. Those who have been raised to new life, given new glorified bodies, as Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The living in Christ will be taken into his presence. So the dead are raised, and the living are connected and also brought into the presence of God. This is verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Those are, those are, that's fantastic information, right? What a glorious moment we look forward to seeing, one way or the other, raised or brought together as people who are still alive when all this happens. Fantastic information. You ever had information that was good information that you didn't do anything with? You ever get the, like, the stock tip and then not buy it and then watch it just go crazy while you're stuck on the sidelines? <laughs> Yes. Information is only valuable if we do something with it. So what do we do with this information? It's good to be prepared. Let's be prepared. So Doc Brown gets gunned down in in Back to the Future and falls over and Marty runs over to his side, just struck with this grief that He tried to do something about this moment, and it didn't work. He tried to come back a little bit earlier so he could get there in time, and it didn't work. And there he is, and then his eyes open in that Doc Brown way, right? Pa! And he peels back his lab coat that he's wearing, and there's a bulletproof vest under there. Doc Brown was alive because he had that information, Marty even asks him about it, and Doc Brown pulls out the letter that he had torn up, all taped back together, and Marty says, well, what about all that talk about screwing up the future events and the space-time continuum? And Doc says, well, I figured, what the heck? Okay, that's slightly edited for our context. We're informed. We know that the Lord is coming, so watch and wait. Tuesday, I was watching and waiting. (laughs) Tuesday night. Max had his uh, art exhibition online, and it was a fantastic time, so we didn't even pay attention at all until probably about 9 o'clock or so at night. Hadn't even looked at any of it. And then, as, you know, a lot of it was expected as they coloring in the map, red and blue, etc. But then there were the ones that were too close to call or too early to call and all of that. And so I watched, 
And I, get, I just get hooked into this. You get hooked into that stuff. Because it's important, right? But then it's like, you know, the anticipation. Because they're going to announce another state has been declared and all of those things. And we're going to know. And, and we're used to this, right? We're used to knowing on Tuesday night. So I was watching and waiting. <laughs> and then the news broadcast went off the air on one of the channels that I had that I was flipping through. They were done. They went to bed, I guess. So I realized, I guess I'll go to bed too. We watch and we wait for things. Ever since, there's been some periodic checking until yesterday. Maybe we would have been better off finding out all that data all at one time. When everything was all settled and all the declarations could be made all at the same time. But today's about watching and waiting for Jesus. Watching and waiting for the return of our Lord. Verse 13 of Matthew 25, our gospel reading for today says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor hour. We watch for Jesus not knowing when things may be happening, when things may be our reality. We need to be patient. The day is coming, even though we don't know when. We need to stay ready. We need to be prepared. Several weeks ago now, when there were wildfires not far, and smoke coming up and over the hill, filling the valley, and smoke blowing from the north and wherever it was coming from and and choking out our air quality so that face coverings were not just for virus protection but also for our own breathing purposes, right? And it was kind of close. And the evacuation orders were not that far to our east. And so we prepared a few things, just in case. Gathered up some important documents. Let's have our passports. Let's have our checkbook. Let's have, you know, some of the important things. Let's have birth certificates, because those are really important. And we have them, so let's grab those. We grabbed a set of plastic drawer things, you know those? With the, maybe there's craft items in them or whatever. We had emptied that out not too long ago, so we grabbed that and opened those drawers, and one was for, for important documents, and one was for like the portable hard drive for the computer that has all of our photographs on it that are digital. And on top of it, we had the photo albums of non-digitized pictures, and it was by the door ready to go. In a lot of ways, we need to be that prepared for the return of Jesus. We need to have our our bags packed, so to speak. The journey is going to happen for us. We need to be prepared and ready for it as we wait. That means staying faithful because complacency is our enemy. Right? If there was always a fire up the hill that always stayed up the hill, eventually we'd probably put our things away and go about life as we know it. And in a lot of ways, I think that's where we, we get to as people. Jesus is coming back has been the message of the church for 2,000 years. And he hasn't come yet. And so in, in a lot of ways, we become complacent about it. 
we'll just go through this day. We'll get through this week. We'll go through this month. We won't think too much about that. And sometimes we just go through life and find ourselves not paying that much attention, not really engaged in growing in faith and staying ready. Instead, keep your light on. Does Tom Bedette still do the advertisements for Motel 6? We'll leave the light on for you. Remember that guy with the folk music playing in the background, somebody picking a guitar? We'll leave the light on for you. Let's keep our lights on in that Tom Bodette way. Not stressed out about it, but consistent and caring and paying attention and ready. Gospel reading is a parable that Jesus tells about his return. It's the parable of the ten virgins, and they're waiting. They're waiting for the bridegroom to arrive. And this is, you know, in a cultural setting, it's helpful to understand, you know, what people initially would have heard in that. It's really, it's like the bridal party is waiting for the groom to arrive because there wasn't engraved invitations that would say the exact time that the marriage was going to happen. Marriages in the first century were kind of three phases. There was the agreement, which was usually an arrangement between parents, And then the betrothal, which when Jesus is going to be born, Mary and Joseph were betrothed. So there's already um, some commitments that are made. But the bride and groom haven't yet come together. They've committed to one another. They're on that path. Usually it's about a year later that the groom comes to, to claim his bride, to take his bride to himself. And so there's, there's a process and an anticipation. And then there's the waiting So toward the end of that time, when okay, it's going to happen. There are people, the bridal party, who are anticipating that, waiting for the groom to arrive. That's where we see these ten bridesmaids, five of whom are wise and five who are foolish or complacent or not thinking it's going to be a while and not ready. Verse 8 Beginning actually in verse 7, the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. As the groom is going to arrive, it's important for the lamps to be burning. It's important for them to be ready. It's important for them to have been faithful in their waiting. Are we being faithful? Paul concludes this section from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 telling us that we should be encouraged. Because the return of Jesus isn't supposed to be a stressful thing for us. It's not supposed to be a thing we're we're thinking about with dread or anticipating with, with fear. Be encouraged with these words. Therefore, encourage one another with these words is verse 18. Encouragement is important. It can go a long way. And lately, it seems like discouragement is really easy. Have you been discouraged? Has 2020 been a discouraging time for you? 
about life, about the future, about our culture, about divisions. There's a lot of discouragement and there's a lot of, well, all of this information that we have can be discouraging. Be encouraged because Jesus is coming back for you. Yes, Jesus is coming back. It's personal. It's for all of us who have faith in Jesus as the Son of God, as the perfect sacrifice, as our Savior, whose death on the cross opens the door to us for our eternity. Jesus is coming back for you. Not just coming back, but coming back for you to welcome you into his presence. And should we die to raise us to new life for eternity? This is our hope. This is our anticipation. Our future is secure. Salvation is for all who believe, and we will be with the Lord forever. Forever is a long time. 2020 feels like it's going on forever. It isn't. It's temporary. Everything in this life is temporary. Don't say it real loud because, you know, we can't spew particles. Um, If you're at home, you can. But just say that. Everything in this life is temporary. Face coverings are temporary. Social distancing is temporary. Don't you just want to hug somebody sometimes? (laughs) It's temporary. Cultural divides and divisions and difficulties are temporary. Might feel like it's going to last a long time, but it's temporary. Even election results are temporary. Right? All of this stuff, the problems that we have, the issues that we face, the struggles that maybe you're having you know, with your work situation, that's temporary. The struggles that you might have within relationships that, that you have, that's, it's all temporary. Because one day we will be raised to new life that will last forever. Our discouragement will be gone. And so we can encourage one another with these words. I think it was Drew just in the last couple of days in a joking way, and I don't know if he made this up or heard it from somebody. We can't be together, but we're in this together. We might not be able to be together, at least close to one another, but we're in this together. So encourage one another. Encourage someone else. A week ago, Friday, was Amanda Tritton's funeral. And... um, There was a man there who, as we were walking out, said, these things happen in threes. It's not a man I'd met before the funeral happened, and he was just one of the people who was there. Um, And so I just paused and listened for a moment to wonder what he meant by that. And the first other person besides Amanda that he mentioned was uh, like his friend's girlfriend or something. 
and didn't sound that close and didn't sound that difficult. But then he told me that his wife also had died. And she had died five days earlier. And so in that moment, walking away from a funeral service for our sister in Christ, Amanda, I spent a few moments, not that long, maybe 10 or 15, talking to a man who had just recently lost his wife, offering some encouragement, offering some hope, offering some light in a dark and difficult situation. He was grieving, of course. And so I tried to offer hope and encouragement. Who can you offer hope and encouragement to? Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's someone who needs to know that all of this is temporary, but life in Christ is forever, and that the Lord is coming. As promised, as advertised. Let's watch and wait. Let's be prepared and be encouraged. Amen.